Jonathan's already hinted at this um, in asking you the question, um, did you have your Christmas trees up? But I wonder, um, what kind of person are you, particularly when it comes to getting Christmas sorted out? Are you a a last-minute person, or are you well-prepared? Do you still have all your presents to buy, or uh, um, did you have everything bought in last year's uh, New Year's sales and packed away and wrapped up all nicely? I have to admit that our house is probably the least decorated on our street. Um, With my two daughters still away at uh, university or work, uh, I'm not allowed to touch the Christmas tree decorations. Got to wait till they come back. And um, whilst uh, whilst we have a few lights um, up outside, they're only there because I didn't take them down from last year. But there are other members of my family who are hyper, hyper organized. They've already cooked the potatoes and the soup ready for Christmas dinner. It's in the freezer, um, just waiting to be pulled out and, uh, and prepared in, at the last minute. I'm afraid uh, I'm not like that. But I wonder, when you look at the, first, uh, the account of that first Christmas, um, what you think about it. Because on the face of it... It looks quite disorganized and last minute, doesn't it? I mean, here's poor Mary, heavily pregnant, having to travel all the way to Bethlehem. Not the most convenient thing to do for a heavily pregnant lady. Then when they get there, um, there's no place for them to stay. Nobody had uh, booked a room for them. It was all kind of very last minute. And, uh, you know, think of it from poor Joseph's point of view. He could have had a little bit more warning about what was actually going on because he, he nearly ended up walking out on, on Mary, didn't he? Um, to, uh, to try and uh, um, kind of uh, guess safe face a little bit and do the right thing. And then after all that, we'll see in our reading uh, today that uh, not only were, was Jesus born in, in difficult and kind of uh, chaotic circumstances, then they had to run away to Egypt uh, for their very lives. It was very last minute and chaotic. However, in the Bible, there are over 300 really specific prophecies in the Old Testament that anticipate and point very accurately to the coming of uh, our Lord Jesus as Saviour. And as we'll see from our reading, Matthew picks up on just five of these very specific uh, prophecies. And this morning, I want us to look at the account of the Magi and pick out and try to understand that actually... God's planning and his anticipation in the whole events around Christmas were not last minute or chaotic at all. They were part of a very meticulous divine plan. So we're going to read um, from Matthew chapter 2. If we could have that reading, please, Andy. And this is about the visit of the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, 
are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them exactly the time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they'd seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, um, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he'd learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just uh, ask that uh, you would open up these uh, familiar words to us. Lord, you would uh, show us uh, perhaps things that we've not seen before, but more uh, than that, Lord, you would show us how we apply these Um, these verses to our lives today. Lord, bring them to life for us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so who were the Magi? It's a story that's uh, very familiar, I'm sure, to all of you. Um, We probably hear this this story told every Christmas time. Um, But I have to say that, as is the case with much of the Christmas story, significant elements have been embellished over the years. And actually, when you read what's really in the Bible, it doesn't always um, uh, stack up with what we we like to hear as the Christmas story. So we've got to kind of work out which bits to uh, focus on and which bits um, to put aside. Whoops. Sorry about that. So firstly... um, Although it's referred to often in carols and uh, on Christmas cards and all kinds of things that there were three wise men, um, we're not actually told how many there were. There was at least one, um, because uh, um, it's uh, described in a, uh, at least two, sorry, described as a plural noun, but actually could well have been a large number. You know, these were um, uh, people of uh, significant standing um, where they were from. Um, and uh, they could have been accompanied by quite a significant entourage, actually. Um, and what gives me a hint um, that that's the case, um, when they went to the palace, 
it wasn't only Herod that was disturbed by what he heard. If you remember from what our reading said, it was all of Jerusalem. So these guys didn't just kind of turn up in, in secret. Um, the news spread quite quickly. This was a, a big story. So it could well have been a, a large number. Secondly, um, it's highly unlikely that they visited at the same time as the shepherds on the night that Jesus was born. Um, Matthew starts that after Jesus was born, this happened. And if you were listening carefully to the reading, they visited uh, the baby Jesus in a house, not in a stable. So although they were still in Bethlehem, they probably moved on from that stable and found uh, uh, somewhere a little bit more comfortable uh, to live in. Um, And the other hint is that Herod uh, announced that all the boys under the age of two were to be killed, giving a hint that actually Jesus could have been up to two years old by the time the Magi arrived um, to to visit him. And thirdly, they probably weren't kings. Um, There's a famous uh, song, isn't there? We three kings of Orient are. They probably weren't uh, that at all. But they were um, certainly uh, people of high standing and influence, it would appear. So do we know much about them, really? Well, not that much, but we can probably reasonably infer um, a few things. And I'd just like to dig into that for a moment. So we know they were Magi. We know they came from the east, probably from Persia or modern-day Iran. And interestingly, um, probably came from the same area where the Jews were exiled in Babylon. It was that similar area. And that might give us a hint as to why it was these, um, uh, these magi, these priests, these astrologers, um, sometimes described as magicians, that's where we get the, um, uh, uh, the word magician from, from magi, uh, where they came from. And remember, um, we were looking not so long ago at the book of Daniel. And Daniel, when he was in exile uh, in Babylon, he was seen to be so wise by um, the king of Babylon that he was set in power over all the magi, all the um, astrologers in Babylon. And you can just imagine the kind of authority that he carried there and the ability he had to share the scriptures and the prophecies in the word of God with those people in Babylon. And I find it incredible that 600 years later, these people from Babylon are still looking out for the fulfillment of that prophecy. I found that amazing. They're looking out for that sign and they're looking out for who is this one that uh, is uh, foretold in the the scriptures. And I'd just like you to think that, you know, Daniel, when he was there, maybe never anticipated what the impact of what he was sharing would be. And yet 600, late, 600 years later, we see that, that impact. Now the Magi, if they came from kind of Persia, from that area, they would have traveled about eight or 900 miles to get to the area of uh, Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And Matthew tells us that they did so by following a star. Now, whether or not it was an actual star, you know, a ball of uh, burning gas uh, we don't really know there's no record of anybody else other than these magi uh, observing it I know that it is possible to follow the broad direction of a star um, 
sailors uh, um, and uh, um, people looking to find direction can follow stars to find direction. But you know, have you ever tried looking at a star and saying, well, that's exactly over this place here, and this is the place I need to stop? It's kind of unlikely that a, a star way up in the heavens would be able to pinpoint exactly where um, these magi were to go. Yet, there was somehow uh, a sign in the heavens um, that directed um, them to, uh, to this place. And as the Magi were astrologers, um, you know, we see this from the book of Daniel, um, you know, they would be drawn um, to following this. Now, I find it quite interesting that even today there are a lot of people who follow their stars. Yeah? They think that by following a star, it somehow will impact their lives. You know, the, the movement of the stars and the planets, somehow that is, has a direct bearing on their lives. What's for me the most interesting is that for that star to appear in exactly the right place at exactly the right time, who put it there? It was God. God put it there in anticipation, possibly right from the creation of the universe. He anticipated this very moment. People follow the stars rather than following the one that put the stars in place. Something really to think about, isn't it? Now, for whatever reason, the Magi went first to the palace in Jerusalem. As I kind of hinted, it might be kind of hard to be precise as to where a a star is guiding you. And maybe they just assumed automatically that, well, if there's a king going to be born, it's going to be um, in a, a palace. Maybe they didn't have full understanding of the prophecy from Micah um, that uh, uh, the, the, uh, the baby would be born in Bethlehem. But whatever the reason, they ended up in the palace and certainly they caused uh, quite a stir. And I want us to think for a minute the, the different reactions between the wise men and King Herod and the religious leaders. You see, when the religious leaders were confronted about this, They didn't scratch their heads and go, what on earth is going on? They knew exactly what the prophecy said. They themselves looked at the law and said, aha, this baby is to be born in Bethlehem. They knew what the scripture said. And if they'd been reading Daniel, they would have known the timelines that Daniel was was given by the angel um, that... The, the Messiah would have been coming at about this time. You know, Daniel was given a very precise prophecy um, you know, wrapped up in complication in a number of weeks and so on, but they should have known that the Messiah would have arrived at about this time and uh, in Bethlehem. But what was their response? Totally different to the response of the wise men. The wise men um, were searching after truth and they went off from the, uh, um, the palace to, to look for Jesus. What was Herod's response? Not, uh, he kind of said, well, I want to go and worship him, but he didn't really. Um, he went off um, and plotted against Jesus. Although he knew what the scriptures were saying, he didn't follow after that truth. And I wonder, you know, at this Christmas time, this story we know so well, we tell every year. Um, we see it uh, um, in our carol services, in our, in our Christmas services. Um, 
You know, we know the story, but does it really hit home? Do we follow after the truth that's behind the Christmas story, or do we just treat it as a nice story? You see, Herod and the religious leaders, they, they kind of understood the word, but they wanted it on their own terms. They uh, wanted it only when it you know, was kind of convenient to them. And it was most inconvenient to Herod to be threatened that he was a king that was come to uh, um, uh, take him out, as it were. You know, God's given us the means to search for truth and find him. If only we look for it. Now, I don't know if you noticed, the Magi's opening question is the first question in the New Testament. Do you notice what it was? Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? The Magi are looking for where is God. I don't know how relevant this is, but do you know what the first question is in the Old Testament? Apart from the rhetorical one that Satan asks of Eve. That's challenging God's word. But the first question in the Old Testament is God calling out to Adam, where are you? And it's almost like, you know, God right from the beginning has been crying out for man, for looking for man. Where are you, man? But in the New Testament, he opens up the opportunity um, for us to search after God through Jesus' arrival. Where is the one who is the king of the Jews? Now, Herod had, as I said, no intention to go and worship uh, Jesus. He just wanted him out of the picture. And so he gave that decree to uh, tragically kill all those newborn uh, boys. But again, you know, although that might seem chaotic and what's going on in this Christmas story, actually it wasn't a surprise to God at all prophesied in the, by the prophet Jeremiah all those hundreds of years ago. A voice is heard in Rama, a weeping and a great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted. God anticipated that this was, was to happen. It was all part, um, you know, not necessarily that God wanted that to happen, but he knew what would happen in advance. And... Um, the, the background to that particular prophecy is that Rachel, who was um, Jacob's wife, she died um, soon after childbirth, uh, giving birth to, uh, to Benjamin, and she was buried uh, near Bethlehem. And so that prophecy in Jer- uh, Jeremiah is Jeremiah symbolically linking the weeping of, of Rachel um, for the people who were in exile under bondage to sin, now making this link, the weeping of the children killed by Herod, to show that the coming of Jesus would bring release from that bondage to sin. And in addition, um, Herod's uh, command to to kill these babies was the result of fulfillment of yet another prophecy, that that, uh, um, out of Egypt, God would call his son. So all these things might seem kind of chaotic, um, but actually they were uh, um, really um, quite, uh, uh, quite key to the whole story. So then we have the, um, the Magi uh, um, 
leaving the palace, and they're told again they follow uh, a star which went ahead of them and led directly to the house where Jesus was. Now, for me, this is the part where I wonder um, at least whether um, something else was going on other than just a, a normal star in heaven because it's not really the normal behavior of a star to go on ahead of people. And whilst a star might have led them east to west in the direction stars kind of normally move as we observe them, to then shift direction and move north to south to go from uh, um, Jerusalem to Bethlehem, probably not the normal. Um, So maybe not a star. And some commentators suggest that what the Magi observed, at least at this point, was perhaps an angel leading them, just as angels appeared to to shepherds. Or perhaps it was the Shekinah glory of God, that light that comes from the presence of God. Um, And, uh, you know, the Shekinah glory is what descended on the temple when God said, well, this is my kind of dwelling place uh, amongst men. It was the Shekinah glory that uh, made uh, made Moses' face to shine um, when he uh, met God on Mount Sinai. It was the Shekinah glory that led the Israelites through the wilderness as a, a pillar of fire. So maybe it was something like this. And I find it fascinating, um, you know, as I was uh, kind of looking at this, that um, if you read um, from Ezekiel about, um, if, you, if you know Ezekiel, when because of the apostasy of, uh, of the Jews, the glory of the Lord left the temple. Do you remember leaving, reading that? And it describes that the glory of the, uh, the Lord left in an eastwardly direction. So it left the temple going east. And what do we see here now? This light coming back, leading people from the east back to reflect that this is God um, restoring his dwelling with man through Jesus Christ. I find that fascinating. Um, So whatever it was, um, whether it was uh, um, a star, um, whether it was the glory of God, God was still intervening in a supernatural way to lead uh, the the, the Magi to the Messiah. And they arrived giving their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, which are symbolic of Jesus being a king and and a priest, but one who would give his life, be sacrificed. They're probably not the normal gifts that you would give a newborn baby. But they helped us understand that at least the Magi knew from the scriptures that they'd read read, um, who this baby was to be. He was uh, not just a baby, not just a king of the Jews, but he was to be the saviour. And for me, um, just looking at these things... um, we've seen a number of points of evidence of God's meticulous planning through this Christmas story. We've seen five instances in Matthew alone of prophecies being fulfilled very precisely um, by the birth of Jesus. We see through creation, through the star that led the Magi, you know, that anticipation right uh, um, uh, from uh, those millennia back, through specific events that happened, um, the, the, the King, King Herod um, uh, killing the babies and so on, through the response of individuals and through Jesus himself. Here we've got so much evidence of God's very, very meticulous planning. So I wonder, what is the relevance for us today? <coughs> 
So yes, God's coming to earth was absolutely an integral part of the plan for salvation for mankind. But you know, um, the Bible gives far fewer prophecies about Jesus' first coming than about the second coming. There's a few more than 300 very specific prophecies about Jesus coming as Messiah. But there are over 1,800 prophecies about Jesus' return as ruler and king, ultimately. In the New Testament alone, somebody has calculated that one in every 30 verses in the New Testament speaks in anticipation of Jesus coming again. So if we are to take the Christmas story very seriously and understand the truth in that, how much more should we take the um, scriptures about Jesus' second coming even more importantly? And I want us to look at um, five of the characteristics of the Magi's first response um, to see what our response should be now. So we've seen that the uh, Magi had obviously studied the scriptures that had been shared with them, um, by, probably by Daniel. And when the time came, they recognized the signs and went off in search of Christ. And likewise, for the second coming, we're told by Jesus himself to look out for the signs. In Matthew 24, Jesus had a private conversation with the disciples, and uh, they asked him the question, when will this happen, talking about his second coming? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus gave a whole load of signs to look out for. Not just one star in the sky, but a whole load of signs and events that will warn us that the time is drawing near for his second coming. And I think if we're honest and we look around us at the world today, we can see that uh, many of those signs indicate that we are in the last times. And we're warned and we're instructed to keep watch because we don't know on what day the Lord will come. The Magi had a hint as to exactly when uh, it was going to happen, when they should go to Bethlehem. We don't. Only God knows when Jesus is going to return again. But are we ready for that? So secondly, the uh, Magi recognized and acknowledged who Jesus was, even though to, to them he just appeared as a baby. And I wonder, do we recognize the sovereignty of Jesus in anticipation of his second coming? That one day he will take his place as rightful king uh, over everyone for all eternity. And 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we endure, we shall also reign with him. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. Are we ready? And then thirdly, our response to him, when the Magi met Jesus, they recognized his kingship and they bowed down in worship to him and offered their gifts to him, the gold and the frankincense and myrrh. And I wonder, do we offer God that same humble submission um, today or do we want to follow God on our terms and when things are convenient to us, a bit like the religious leaders did? Do we give God the gold of our material possessions our sweet-smelling incense of worship and the myrrh of our dying to self. And fourthly, um, we're warned many times not to be deceived and uh, in some ways the, the Magi headed off slightly in the wrong direction in going to the, uh, um, the, the king's palace. 
But they were wise enough not to be deceived. We don't know exactly what went on, but they knew the palace was not the place that they should be looking, and they went off in search of the, uh, um, of the, the real Christ child. And Jesus himself warned us in that Matthew 24 passage, don't be deceived. He says, uh, many will be deceived and the love of most will grow cold. And so in a time, in a world where actually truth doesn't seem to matter anymore, are we in search of the real truth, the one who is the truth? And then um, lastly, the Magi obeyed God rather than man. Remember, Herod had told them to go back to the palace to tell them where they found the baby, but they were warned by God in a dream not to go back. And so they obeyed God and uh, went another way. And I wonder, you know, as the return of Jesus draws ever closer, do we understand that we might well be challenged (laughs) as to whether we obey God or whether we obey man? And, uh, you know, we need to make some significant decisions, I think, about where our hearts will lie. So at this Christmas time, you know, we need to remember that we're not just celebrating Jesus' first coming, but we need also to anticipate and be ready for his second coming because it will come at any time like a thief in the night. And I asked at the start, were you the kind of person that were last minute or were you prepared I wonder when I ask you that question in the context of Jesus' second coming, are you prepared or are you risking missing out at the last minute? Jesus warned, you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.